Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we systematically dethrone our most pervasive fears with truth. Now more than ever, God's calling each of us to actively and consistently choose to live by faith, to courageously use our influence well, and we all have influence. Today, we're talking specifically to leaders, and that includes all of us. We're all called to lead someone, whether that's a ministry team, an organization, our family, or our close circle of friends. Our world needs strong, bold, God-loving, grace-filled men and women to take the lead in bringing light and life into our world. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery, and today I have a special guest with me, an amazing woman of God with incredible leadership experience. Tara Rye, I'm so glad you're here. I'm happy to be here too. Thanks, Jennifer. And I'm excited to introduce her to you for numerous reasons. First, because she's awesome and she has such a heart for women and for seeing them reach their full potential, but also because she's going to be joining us regularly for future episodes, along with two other Holy Love team members that you'll be meeting soon. Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. As a leader myself, I am looking forward to learning from you. You were the former Dean of Women for Grace University, which is where I graduated from, by the way. So that was fun. It's a good school. And I am so glad that you went to Grace. And to all of those Grace people that are listening, howdy. <laughs> she has held so many shepherding roles. So she's a former professor. She's an executive coach with crew. Tara, you are a wealth of wisdom and grace. And I love, I love that beautiful combination that I see in you. Thanks. I think one of the things about being a leader that we all struggle with is that we think that we can't lead because we know ourselves so well. And we know the things that we still need work on, that God's still at work in me. And we tend to see all the great things that other people have. And so it's a good thing that we're pursuing this together to grow. You know, yeah. And I think a lot of times when people first lead, or at least when I first stepped into leadership, when I sensed God calling me to launch Holy Loved, all I could see were all my sinful tendencies, all of my areas of weakness, all of my past failures. And I honestly, and I think it's important that we hear this, I think a lot of people probably from my past would have disqualified me. And I think it's important we hear that because when God calls us, it's not about what other people think about us or our past failures, or even what we think about ourselves, it's really about what he is calling us to. Truly. Uh, I, I had a moment when I was in my young 20s, and God was beginning the process of moving me into leadership. And I was reading in the book of Luke, and I was struggling in my heart with the very thing that you're talking about. I was thinking that there is no way that God could use me. I just thought I was not worthy of being a leader, that somehow I would not be usable by God if people knew me the way I knew me. And I read the verse in Luke that said, the man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And in that moment, I just this overwhelming sense of peace and almost like strength, persevere moving forward that God, in order for me to be a leader, I'm not to turn to the left 
and I'm not to turn to the right. Because if I did that, if I was a person who was plowing, I would actually plow crooked lines. And you have to be looking straight ahead in order to do a straight line. And so what God was saying to me in that passage was that I'm not to be looking back at myself or my past and the things that I've done. I need to be looking at what God is at work in me and how he wants me to move forward with Jesus. And what makes a person a leader is they got their eyes on Jesus and then pursuing him and following him. And that helps them to know how to make the right decisions. And that actually gave me the peace and the confidence to start moving forward. I love that. And I love that image that you gave of the crooked lines or the crooked path. And I immediately thought of Proverbs 4 verses 25 to 27. It says, one of my favorite verses, actually, one of my favorite passages. And in it, it says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. I love that passage. And I thought about that when you were were speaking. The one thing I really, God really reiterated to me as I was wrestling, and I was actually wrestling with the call to leadership while I was attending Grace. But as I was wrestling with that, one of the books that they called us to lead, and I think it was Leading with a Limp by Dan Allender. But God really resonated as I was reading that book that his call to me, it really had to do with my growth, that he wanted to grow me through this role, that yes, he wants to use leaders to bless others. Absolutely. But I recognize that he could, he could raise anybody up to bless people a thousand times more than I could. But for some reason, he was calling me to do this. But in that, he was going to refine me, to change me and grow me and strengthen me. And once I looked at it from that perspective, the fear of failure decreased. The fear of my, because I'm still a sinful, you know, I still struggle with sin, sinful responses, but that lost that fear over me because it took it to, it, it gave me a growth mindset instead of like these expectations that I was piling on. I realized God didn't have the same, ex, I was piling on all these expectations of perfection and performance. And God was just saying obedience and growth. Yeah, I really love the process of what God did in you in order to bring you to the place to recognize that he wanted to take you from milk to meat. That it it is a process of once we begin the journey of becoming a follower of Jesus, allowing him to mature us and grow us. And we cannot become the top teacher that we know and love, whoever that may be, if you were to pick out that person that you listen to or you read, you can't be that person instantly just because you say, yes, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. It takes time with him growing us and maturing us. And as a leader, you can't give what you don't have. And so as you were saying that, it was like the pursuit of what am I learning? What am I growing in? Then leadership is This is what he's doing in me. This is how he's changing me. This is why I'm growing. And can I share this with you? Would you like to see what he's doing? And this is how he helped me conquer this fear. And this is how I'm able to step out in faith here. And when you shared that, I I just had that complete visual of somebody walking that journey. That's so beautiful. And, you know, I've learned talking about walking that journey and then also God walking alongside us and then bringing others. That's one thing I've probably learned more than anything, it's just that he brings others alongside of us. And I found, 
I used to be really afraid of my weaknesses and, and of other people figuring them out or noticing them. And now I've learned to be pretty open with my weaknesses. First of all, everybody knows them anyway, so it's not a surprise, but there's such freedom. And I found when I just say, you know what, I'm sorry, I've got a popcorn brain and that's going to really frustrate you if you're a detail-oriented person. But then it invites people to come alongside me with their strengths and to also help mold me. Like when I'm open with that, then it it says, okay, this is who I am. This is where I struggle. Can you help me? What I love about that is that you're talking about the importance of loving ourselves. And what I'm hearing is that as you grew as a leader, you actually learned to love you in such a way that it made you free to where you were willing to allow others to come alongside and join that journey. And there is so much freedom. I remember for myself uh, when I was in my 20s and that beginning process was stirring and God was calling me out to be a leader And I didn't know what that meant. Like, I just felt this urgency that I couldn't get enough of the word of God. And I had great leaders around me and um, I wanted to mature and grow and like them, but I was still what I would call a puppy with big feet. You know how puppies feet are really huge, but when they run into the room, they're like all over the place and they're big and they bound and they knock things over and So it's that journey of learning how to control the gifting that he's giving us and acquiring the knowledge, maturing in that knowledge, because some will gain at a a younger point, and then we may not use it well because we haven't yet grown into it, um, matured into that. And so the process of him doing that in us really it's such a blessing and it's a blessing to watch. The other thing that I love, Jennifer, that you shared was that you always take somebody with you. How Christ-like, how like Jesus. Jesus sent the disciples out in twos. You go read in Mark 10. He sends them out. He sends them out in twos. And that's where he gives them the directions of what he wants them to do and what he needs to know. But it's together because there's something in that shoulder-to-shoulder of rubbing and iron sharpening iron and allowing my weaknesses to be evident so that they can help me grow and and vice versa. And all of a sudden we discover it's okay. They accept me who I am. And as they accept me, I'm accepting me and vice versa. It's a blessing both ways. Yeah. And, you know, I love what that image of the puppy kind of fumbling his way in Although not, it's not always cute when we fumble our way with our personality strengths or weaknesses, but it's still the same process. And I wonder if some ways to God, it kind of looks the same because I think he smiles down on us as we grow a lot more than we smile on ourselves, maybe as we try to grow. And where I'm going with this is I, I think I'm an Enneagram 8 if I were to, so I'm pretty direct. My husband used to call me a bull in a China cabinet. I'm pretty outspoken. I make decisions quickly. I like to tackle things. And there was a time when, because of that, people felt tackled. And so I hurt a lot of people. And my first reaction was that I was wrong, that my personality was bad, that I needed to somehow, you know, that, that my personality wasn't fitted for this role. And actually, one of the pastors I serve under, he made a comment. He said, well, it's not 
it's not really, don't change you, don't change your personality. You just need to kind of grow into it. And and I got that image when you're talking about the puppy, I'm still an eight, but I have learned to look at some of my responses. A lot of my, when my, when my personality becomes negative, it's usually because of fear is, Mm. is when kind of it turns what I would call ugly, the, the strengths that God has given me when they turn ugly. And so I've learned when I sense a fear response in me, and I don't do it perfectly, but I've learned when I sense a fear response in me to pull back and to say, Mm. okay, why am I feeling this? What's really going on? And how is God going to meet me there? And so that helps. And I'm learning to see that that doesn't mean that my desire to attack problems is wrong. I just need to make sure that I'm not attacking people in the process. That's really, really good. So my puppy analogy grew from the fact that I didn't want to attack people because I recognized, oh my goodness, God grew me so much. And I I could allow myself to stay in fear and not join in what he has available to me. I had to learn to push through in the maturing and the growing. And I longed so much for people to have grace for me that when I encounter a puppy in the room, instead of getting angry, upset, if I can look at them as a puppy instead of a bull, I'm more apt to say, hey, you know, come here, come here. Whatever it is that I need to do to encourage this and, and mature this and, and see that body spiritually shaping to match what has been given inside where those feet are going to go, that enabled me actually to love someone in that because that's what I longed for. So I'm an Enneagram 2. And so I'm a helper. And so I have to find the ways to help. But when I am pressed and I'm being sinful, I'm the challenger. And so I become eight. And so I have had to learn hard because my fear moves me into the eight uh, rather than staying where I'm healthy in the two. I have a lot of friends who are married to pastors and they may not always receive grace, especially Mm -hmm. some of my friends, you know, if they're in some of their, in their role, whatever God has given them, whether that's been, you know, just their leadership as a pastor's wife or whether they're stepping into women's ministry. So what would you say to leaders that are saying, you know what, I'm still growing and I'm, I'm failing, but I'm wanting to be obedient. I'm doing the best I can, but I'm in an, in a, graceless environment, how can they still thrive? Because it's so hard when others don't give us grace. We want to acknowledge that right now, that that hurts so, so deeply. So what would you say to them? I'm sorry. First, foremost, I would say I'm sorry. I I would say that I have been the person who the grace, and I would say I am the person who hasn't received the grace. So I, I know both sides of it. But has changed me and grown me was understanding that a person, as they are maturing in Christ, they are not a spiritual parent or a leader the moment they believe. And I think that that is a misconception that we have. I don't know, like all of a sudden, this 
magical thing happens and then boom, okay, I have everything I'm going to need. And we do. But the reality is, is we're in the process of God making us holy. The big word would be sanctification, that he's in the process of sanctifying us. And, and so the moment I become a follower, the moment I recognize that God so loved me that he sent his son to die for me, that I would have eternal life. And I say, wow, I want that. I begin the, the journey of maturing to be more and more who he's intended me to be. And it's not going to happen instantly. I am truly a spiritual infant. And just I would never try to make an infant in a non-spiritual situation do something like go to the kitchen and feed themselves. I shouldn't have that expectation on an infant. And so um, what I have made myself or trained myself to do, and I train my leaders to do, is to recognize where are they at in that spiritual spiral? It's not even a straight line, the spiral of spiritual maturity. Are they, are they a follower yet? And if they are, are they an infant? Are they just in the stages of who am I? Who is God? And those kinds of questions that we might be asking, that is trying to get their identity down. If a person's still asking those questions, they really have not matured to the next one, which would be their identity and community, which would be the the spiritual child. And it's how am I in the church? How do I interact with people? How do I live out community spiritually? The next one would be is the identity of purpose and recognizing, okay, wait, I'm not just this in Christ, and I'm not just with the body of Christ, but he has a gifting for me in the kingdom of God with the body of Christ. So what is my purpose? And that's their identity of purpose. And so if I can see the questions they're asking, I would want to lead them to get to that point. And then when a person fully understands who they are in Christ, how they are a part of the community, what their purpose is, that's when they actually begin to understand a mature adult leader it's how does this impact the kingdom? What is the kingdom identity that I can bring about? And by understanding that journey, that process, as I interact with people, I can see where they're at and not judge, just as I would not judge an infant, a toddler, a teenager, or an adult for the stage of life they're in. They can't help that. I find the ways to help them grow them where they're at. So you don't take ownership, basically, of their responses. Instead, you see it as an outpouring of their their maturity in Christ. You don't take ownership for their behavior. No, I can't. I can't. You know, um, however, does my heart hurt when I encounter an infant spiritually that is attacking because they're hurting and the only way they know how to get attention is to hurt? Yes, my heart hurts. But it helps me, if I am maturing and asking the right questions, it helps me to get out of, okay, why are they hurting and what is it they need in that hurt? How can I help them in that hurt? That makes a lot of sense. And I think we need to have our cheerleaders around us. And I'm I'm sure right now there's probably a, a lot of really hard environments with a global pandemic and a lot of different ideas on how ministry should be run, on how churches should be run. And so I think we need those people, and we might need to intentionally seek them out. I have one woman in particular, actually, that 
I can be completely real with, meaning I can call her and say, you know what? I am really in a sinful state right now. I am really battling selfishness right now. And I know that she won't judge me. I know she will still love me and she will point me to Jesus and she'll do so in a kind and loving manner. And I think we so need those people. And we also need those people around us who are going to be our cheerleaders when we're really wrestling with trying to trying to figure out, like, let's say if we have to make a difficult decision, trying to determine the impact and listen to everybody else's voice or not listen to everybody else's voice. We need somebody, some people who can come alongside us and, and just give us that encouragement and that support that I think helps us stay on that straight path you talked about earlier. Mm, so important. And that's the reason why I think Jesus told the disciples to go in twos, because he knew that that fellowship would be where they get their strength and it helps them to conquer their fears. Um, the struggle is, is if we push people away when we are afraid rather than welcoming them in and um, not seeking that wise counsel. I love how you said that. So because I, because of ministry being so well-known within the Christian community, my person I go to, she's a ministry leader in another country that oversees. And so when I have to, like, bleh, like literally, I, I, I think recent, within the last year, I, I sent her a text and I said, hey, I just really just need to throw up. <laughs> and I need an, I need someone to hold me up right now. And so she is my person. And that way I'm doing it in a safe space and a safe place and a safe way. And then I have a person that's more um, closer within the state that I would go to that it's more like, okay, I need prayer right now because I'm going into this that, you know, and knows necessarily the day in day out kind of things and is actually an intercessor for me. And I have prayed as for God to bring me the intercessors, someone that will actually carry me in prayer. And I have prayed for the people that will be my resource that I can go to that I know I have not gotten where they're at yet, but I want what I see in them. And so they're the ones that I use as my resource. And then the people that I serve side by side are the shoulder to shoulder people. I love how you mentioned that you actually pray for those people in your life, because it can be hard to find a, a spiritual mentor. It, it can be hard to find that person that we feel so real with, or that we know will invest the time in us. I mean, I think that's a big part too, that, that will invest the time. So I love how you pray for that. And, you know, as you were, you were talking, I was thinking about for me as a leader. So Holy Love Ministries is completely volunteer ran. And so, which means we ebb and flow with everybody's life. I mean, that's just the way it goes when you have volunteers and you may at one moment, you may have half your team busy because of life stuff and, and they need to take a sabbatical or whatever. And you've got all these deadlines or, and so I have learned to be okay dropping balls. I have learned, like I used to have this fear that I have to get it all done and I have to, you know, we've, we've got all of these commitments. Now, don't, don't mishear me. I'm not saying I don't honor my commitments, but I've learned if this, if this ministry, whatever call, so whatever call you're leading, whether it's your kids or your homeschool or maybe your neighborhood or maybe you're a teacher, I have learned to trust 
that God will give me everything I need for everything he's called. We went through the ministry, went through a period, and I'm sure we will again, where it was like we had God, it felt like God was just expanding the ministry rapidly, but we simultaneously lost about half of our volunteers to really hard life stuff. Like we had a lot of volunteers, family members with cancer and, you know, the, the hurricane that came through, I mean, just everything hit at once. And, and I, and my first reaction was to try to do it all myself, but that's Mm -hmm. not balance and that's not God. And so I finally, I pulled back and I realized through that, God carried the ministry. And so it, it shifted my thinking where I began now thinking, okay, if this ministry is carried by God and if it's from God, then it will not fail. Even if we go completely dark for six months, because he's the one carrying it. And so that just provided that it took that fear again, fear of failure, fear of expectation, fear, whatever it was, it lifted that off me and brought me to a place of worship. That is because you sought him and you gave it to him. Um, doesn't he promise that if we seek him first, he shall add all these things unto us. And he says that which we commit to him, he will grant favor. And I, I know in my mind, I can have, this is what needs to happen. And I can have my list as a leader of what I want to get done in a day. My lists are always longer than what they should be. My husband jokes and says, Tara, you're three months ahead. Could you come back into the month I'm in? You know, kind of, so I'm the same way in that aspect. And, but I've learned that I can have these, but I have to trust God in the timing of when he's going to bring those to be because it may be that he's given me the vision and timing's not right and trusting him. So seeking him and trusting him and giving it to him allows that freedom that you're talking about. It's beautiful. I love seeing that about you. It's just, it's unleashing and releasing. I can remember one day I was in the prayer room at church and I was praying and I was just grieving over, I think my lists, of my expectations on me. That right there should just say something to you, right? What is it about me? And I'm in the prayer room and I think it's all me. And um, a, a worship leader from another church happens to walk into my church's prayer room. And she walks in, she looks at me. I barely know her. I mean, we kind of know each other's names, but I barely know her. And she puts her hand on my shoulder and she goes, I need to pray for you. And while she was praying, she said, God has no expectation upon you. And that was like profound for me as a young leader and that I had so many expectations that I was putting a burden on myself he did not intend. And I have through the years repeated that over and over for myself, but then also, especially when I try to put that on somebody else to not as a leader, place expectations that burdens and weighs down that I am actually doing what will build up, elevate, lift up, mature, help them grow, move up. And and so thinking through those so that I do that so that I don't burden somebody was something that God didn't intend. God doesn't place the same expectations on us that we place on ourselves, that we place on others. Our expectations, our wisdom so often leads to fear and to stress. 
and to feelings of defeat, but really just bringing it back to, I like what you said to focusing on the kingdom, focusing on obedience and really walking with God. And if we can keep it to those things, I think our peace will increase and our ministries will thrive. Tara, I thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm so glad that you're going to be joining us going forward. I'm so excited for that, that we can learn from your wisdom. Thank you everybody for listening. I hope we gave you some things to encourage you. I would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast, then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to rate it. I actually, I can see the reviews and I find them very encouraging, very helpful. So And that also helps other people to find them. And then make sure to share it and maybe grab a leader, grab an emerging leader, maybe even a teenager that you see leadership in and bring them in and listen to this podcast together and go through the questions on the show notes. Thank you for joining us. Go in peace, go in faith, go in courage. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.